Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation. You know, before we go on from the season, I want to stop and uh, go back to a passage where really we ought to be going on in chapter 13. But I want to go back to chapter 4 and select a theme which I particularly overlooked so that we might save it for this time. And it is a scene in the apocalyptic literature of John on the Isle of Patmos that takes us to the throne of God. It is a throne scene. And at the throne there are the four living creatures of the Zoe who are worshiping the Lord in heaven in verse 8. And the scripture says in Revelation 4.8 that the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, holy, holy. The thrice fold, threefold ascription of holiness to God. Then they said, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. Now watch what happens. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist, and were created. Now there is a magnificent but simple principle of the worship of heaven which we must not overlook. That when the creatures of glory give praise around the throne of God, the four and twenty elders representing all of the redeemed of mankind, I believe the disciples of the body of, the, of Christ, the church, and the twelve tribes of Israel, the twenty-four fall down the very first thing they do before they say anything to God, before they sing, they lay down the crown. Now, that's a principle. Lay down the crown. What can I do to create a spirit of thanksgiving that will last through the year? What can I do to transcend the brief season when I'm full of thanks and I celebrate it by eating, overeating turkey and oyster dressing and all the rest that you did the same thing. Don't look too smug now. And what can I do to create an attitude that is a year-round spirit of thanksgiving? It seems to me that tucked away in the worship of heaven in John's literature is a suggestion that our laying down the crowns, giving all the glory, giving all the praise, giving all the thanks back to God, is a basic principle of the Christian life and Christian worship that we must emulate from the example of heaven that we must emulate throughout the year. Stuart Briscoe tells the story that a an old German soldier, an old English soldier rather, told him that during the Second World War, when they were fighting in the trenches, that was not high-tech battle that they fought in the First World War, excuse me, that during that they would, they would be and they would dig in their trenches and it was hand-to-hand -hand combat. It wasn't Star Wars. And that when they came to Christmas, 
They would always declare a brief truce, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And he said, one Christmas Eve, this old English soldier, British soldier told him about, they were in the trenches in France. And uh, a, uh, a, an English soldier in his trench, not over 15 yards from the German soldiers, and they had a truce, began to sing, the Lord is my shepherd. And as he began to sing, he went through the first line, and then the second line, and then the third line, and suddenly he realized that there was a German voice that was joining in. Der Herr ist mein Heiter, auf Deutsche. He was saying, he was singing right along with a British soldier. And soon on both sides, in both trenches, on Christmas Eve, they were standing and singing together, the Lord is my shepherd and der Herr ist mein Heiter. And there they sang the truce. The next day on Christmas Day, one of the British soldiers got out a soccer ball. In England, they call it a football. As they say in England, a true football is one with which you use the foot <laughs> all the time. And uh, so they started a game, and suddenly the German troops piled out of the trenches. And there they had an International Olympics. The British against the German in soccer. And in that no man's land between the trenches, because they had a truce, there existed this great soccer game. All the feeling and the fun. Now, these are the men who 24 hours before were in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Bayonet to bayonet. And now they're playing football, <laughs> soccer. And then Christmas is over, and the next day the war resumes. They had a truce, but no end to the war. It's like we declared a season in which, okay, God, now we're going to be thankful. And as soon as this is over, we're going to go back and take all the credit for everything we have for ourselves. Now, I want to submit to you today that because in heaven, all worship begins with the laying down of the crown. That everything you and I ever get will be given back to God. Nothing I ever earn or work for is mine to keep. Now, if I can just get that principle embedded in my mind that all glory goes to God, all rewards, and that true, a true spirit of thanksgiving is giving all recognition, all honors, all credit, all glory, all pay back to God. True thanks is a recognition of identifying the ending with the beginning that I want everything to go back to God because everything came from God. And that is what I learn when I look at the lay down the crown principle here in Revelation chapter 4. Now watch the text with me for a moment. In verse 4, the four living, in verse 8, the four living creatures having six wings and being full of eyes do not rest day or night. And here's what they're saying. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. All thanksgiving is grounded not in our goodness to God, but in the eternal changeless character of God toward us. It starts with who God is. Not God, you're lucky that I'm going to take a day to give you thanks. But Lord, 
we want a spirit of lay down the crown that says everything we have and everything we are and all the credit and honor and glory we ever get from anything we ever do goes back to you. I'm going to lay down every crown at your feet. And I want that spirit to permeate my whole being and my family. Now watch in that song they sing. The first line is holy, holy, holy. The second line is Lord God Almighty. Lord, it is analogous to the Old Testament concept of Jehovah, the God of redemption. Lord God, and God is the strong one who has all power in himself and relies on no one else. And the Almighty is analogous to the Old Testament concept of El Shaddai. He is the God who gives life and nourishes life and sustains life. And so there would not be any crowns to bring back to him if he were not Lord God Almighty nourishing and sustaining us. The cry of the cherubim around the throne of God ends with the eternal changeless character of God who was and is and is to come. There it is. He is the God who lives forever and ever. He is the God of the ages unto the ages. Now that eliminates all this nonsense about God, the holy God, is going to punish sin and man will die and that's it. There is no eternal punishment. If there is an eternal holy God and he is eternally holy, then his reward for righteousness is eternal and his punishment for sin is eternal punishment. Two weeks ago we had, or was it last week, we had a message that relayed to us how important the doctrine of universalism is to be seen as creeping into the church and affecting missions. The other half of that is not only will everybody not be saved, those who are punished are punished for eternity. God is the God who was and is and is to come. Again, that is reiterated in verse 9. When the, the, the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, John mentions it again. He is the God who lives forever and ever. When he talks about the 24 elders in verse 10, he sits on the throne. They worship him who lives forever and ever. He is the God of the ages from age to age to age. And so when they fall down to worship him, the first thing they do is to cast their crowns before the throne to bring every credit, every honor, every bit of glory they've ever received for anything they've ever done and to present it back to the Lord. Now, if we can get that in our minds, we won't just have a thanksgiving truce with God we will have a principle to live by 365 days a year. In verse 11, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Now, get this. No crown ever rightfully belongs to you or to me. And no glory or praise or credit that you ever earn rightfully is yours. Verse 11 says that God created all things. By him all things exist. And by him all things were created.
No crown is rightfully ours. Satan has deceived the world into thinking that there's a battle. You either keep credit for yourself or you give it to God. I'm going to tell you, folks, anything you keep for yourself someday, you will either voluntarily or involuntarily lay down the crown at the feet, at the throne of Almighty God. Now, why does he say in verse 11, by your will they exist and we're created? Now, watch this. Everything in the divine will is also in the divine capability. Everything in the divine will is also in the divine capability. Anything God wills, God is capable of carrying out. And anything in the divine capability then is worthy of divine glory so that the glory goes back to him because the capability came from him and the will to do it came from him. Now you and I, the human will can conceive a lot of things that are not within the human capability. I would love to pack up all the church and take it to the Holy Land. Wouldn't it be wonderful to go to the Holy Land, take everybody to the Holy Land? and have a worship service over there? How many would like to go? And then after we worship, we'll have a, a lamb dinner, a, a moussaka, or I don't know what we'll have. We'll, we'll have something after dinner over in the Holy Land. See, that's in the human will, but it's not in the human capability. Some of you are madly in love with Julia Roberts, and you've got the will to marry her, but you don't have the capability. You haven't got what it takes. Amen? You understand what I'm saying. I've been advised to stop using Farrah Fawcett and use Julia Roberts. In fact, Michelle Pfeiffer is now passe. How quickly young women grow old. <laughs> but everything in the human will is not in the human capability. And if it's, though it's in your will, if it's not in your capability, why should you take credit for it? But everything in the divine will is in the divine capability, so the credit goes back to the divine, to, the, to, to God. Now, does that make sense? That's very important. And when we understand that, we understand that the sin of man is to try to be like God and take credit for what God has done. Everything in the divine will is in the divine capability. And if it's in the divine capability, the credit and the glory goes back to the divine. What motivates you in life, in ministry, in service to our Lord? I read the other day where Raleigh Massimino gets $1.6 million a year not to coach from the University of Nevada at Las Vegas. That's a basketball coach. And the coach at the University of Massachusetts makes $1.3 million a year. What motivates you? John Wooden, one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time, never made over $38,000 a year. And when they offered him a huge shoe contract, he said, no, I refuse to take it because, he said, I don't want to be caught making money off my boys. That's not the reason I coach. I'd like to ask you this morning, why do you do what you do? Has your heart been so committed to God that you understand everything comes from God? Even the energy to carry it out comes from God, so everything goes back to God. That's when your life is dominated by the lay down the crown principle. The Bible is clear.
any credit you ever get, any glory you ever receive, as a believer, we will lay it back at the throne of God so everything comes back to him. Now, that lay down the crown attitude is informed by four basic principles in the word of God. And I want you to see these principles if you would. So take your Bible. First, this is what we must understand if we're going to live by that principle. First, go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Now, the first, the first thing is the Old Testament saints realized that God's honor was at stake. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. They realized it was God's honor. When Jehoshaphat set himself to seek the Lord in verse 3 of chapter 20, the Bible says, <clears throat> verse 6, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Verse 7, are you not the God who gave us this land? See? Verse 9, if disaster comes upon us such as the sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple. Verse 11, here they are rewarding us, those whom you would not let us destroy, by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. What is Jehoshaphat saying? He's saying, oh God, the Seerites and the Ammonites are coming against us, and the Moabites, and they're going to attack your people. This is your honor at stake. If everything I do as a Christian puts at stake the honor of God, then I have really risked nothing much and God is risking everything so the credit and the honor and the glory for what happens out of my life doesn't come back to me. It deserves to go to God because it's God's honor that is at stake. Now that's an important principle in the Word of God to inform an attitude of lay down the crown. If I'm going to give all glory to God, I must understand that it is God's honor that is at stake in my life. When I ask the Lord and He doesn't give it, it's not a reflection on me so much as it is a reflection on God. That's what Jehoshaphat is saying. Lord, here is your name at stake. Here is your honor at stake. Here is your glory at stake. And so Jehoshaphat gives us the first biblical principle which informs the lay down the crown attitude. Now the second biblical principle is found in Job chapter 1. Turn over to Job chapter 1. The, this principle is what I call the principle of nothing. What did Job say in verse 20? He arose, Job 1.20, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, here's what Job is saying. I didn't come into the world with anything. I am not going out of the world with anything. Therefore, I have no credit or glory or honor to claim for my own. Everything goes back to the Father. That's Job's point. And the Christian 
who is genuinely, thoroughly saved by the grace of God must come to the cross. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. But we soon forget that. And we want to take glory. Give me glory for this orchestra. Give me glory for this, this uh, uh, choir. Give me glory for this message. And we take it on ourselves. The lay down the crown attitude, which is the way to maintain a year-long spirit of thanksgiving, is informed by the truth that I came out of my mother's womb naked. I will leave this world naked since I came with nothing and I will leave with nothing. Everything belongs to the one who gave me everything in between. It is the principle of nothing, nothing. Now, there's a third biblical principle that informs this, and that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. Notice what Paul says here. Who makes you differ from another? Who makes you differ from another? 1 Corinthians 4, 7. And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you glory as if you had not received it? Now, Paul gives us a third biblical truth which informs the lay down the crown attitude. It is this. It's what I call the zero start concept. I received everything I have from somebody else. I received everything from some. There is a source. I am not the source. About the time I think I have an original sermon idea, I'll pick up a book that was printed in 1726, and there's my idea. Somebody beat me to it by 250 years. And just about the time you think you've got something original, somebody else will have already discovered it. The truth is that I went to college because somebody had built that college for me. The truth is, I got my greatest opportunities in life because somebody gave me an opportunity. The truth is, I had a wonderful wife because God saved me from marrying some dumb women. The truth is, God gave me an opportunity at this church when I didn't deserve anything. God gave that to me. I don't have anything I did not receive from the hand of God, and neither do you. And Paul is saying that in the context of defending himself as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm a steward, therefore I have to give account to God. Nothing is of me. Everything is of God. That's where the lay down the crown principle comes from. It's a recognition, I don't have anything of myself. Everything I am and everything I have came from the Father. And therefore, I am thankful because I give him all the glory, all the credit, and I lay down my crown at his feet. Sunday after Sunday, you and I are not just coming here because somebody's keeping records. We're coming here not just because we want to be fed. We come here as a witness that apart from God, we have nothing, are nothing, do nothing. Everything we have, we received from God through someone else or directly through the Father. There's one last truth in the scripture that informs this lay down the crown attitude. It is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
the Bible is very clear here that the body from verse 12 on has responsibilities to each other. It says, for instance, as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Go on down to verse 14. The fact, in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot should say, I am not a hand, I am not of the body, that doesn't separate it. And if the ear says in verse 16, I am not an eye, I am not of the body, it is not separate. And then he goes on to say that in verse 23, those members of the body which we think to be less honorable or weaker, on these we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts have greater majesty in the body. We're to give honor to each other. Or what Paul says in Romans 12, we're to in honor prefer one another. Now the truth is this, that I am to lay down my crowns in recognition that God's honor is at stake in my life. I came into this world with nothing. I'll go out with nothing. Everything I have I receive from someone else. And finally, I owe every member of the body of Christ honor. And you owe that, that honor to each other. Therefore, when we honor one another, we are practicing what we're going to do in heaven for eternity, which is refuse to take glory for ourselves, but rather prefer and give it to God. In heaven, we'll give it to God. On earth in the body, we give credit and honor to each other. So really, when we treat each other with honor in the body, we're practicing for the worship of heaven. Last night, we honored James Sechrist with 75 years of life and 40 years of ministry in the Boy Scout troop of this church. A number of you were there. Now, I want to tell you, James is an interesting person. Amen? How many of you know James pretty well? He's an interesting person. He's got a, he's got a, a, a short temper about like that, but I really love James. He will tell you exactly, you always know where you stand with James, right? Amen? How many of you know that's true? You've already found that out. You always know where you stand with James. But I want to tell you, that man has a heart much bigger than he is. And when they gave him these honors last night for 40 years of scouting, the first thing James did when he stood was to give back every honor and glory to God. Did you see that? It was to give it all back to God. He said, nothing I've done counts but for the grace of God. And that is exactly right. As the body honors others, and then we lay down our crowns before the Father, we refuse to take any credit for ourselves. That's what the body of Christ ought to be. It should be the whole church working on this Christmas festival. Some people are praying. Some people are giving. Some people are, are bringing others. Some are playing instruments. Some are building the sets. Some are singing. Some are doing artwork. Some will be passing out bulletins. Some will be counseling. But it is the whole church so that when the harvest comes, we can all rejoice together. We in honor prefer one another. And give that honor because that's what heaven will be like. There is nothing you have which you will ever keep for yourselves. You will give it back to God and that's what engenders 
the spirit of thanksgiving that is constant throughout the year. The question then is a glory question, isn't it? Who gets the glory for what has been done? Who gets the glory for a new building? Who gets the glory for a Christmas festival? Who gets the glory for Sunday school? Well, who cares but God? God it all is God's. And I'm to give it to Gary. I'm to give it to Tom. I'm to give it to Guy. I'm to give it to, to Johnson. I'm to give it to, to everybody. No, nobody gets the glory but God because there's nothing we've ever earned which we're going to keep anyway. And that ongoing spirit of thanksgiving that is a more than just a brief truce with God, in which we'll say, all right, God, for two days I'm going to give you all the glory. That ongoing spirit is informed by knowing four biblical truths. The honor of God is at stake in everything we do. We shall live in such a way that God's honor is at stake. Secondly, we shall live in such a way that we recognize like Job, naked I came out of my mother's womb and I'm going out of the world naked and therefore I came with nothing, I'm leaving with nothing. Everything belongs to God. And thirdly, I don't have anything I didn't receive from somebody else's hand. Not a thing. And fourth, I'm informed by the biblical truth that in the body of Christ we're to honor each other and practice then laying down by giving credit and glory and honor and praise to others, we practice what will be true in heaven for all eternity and that is we will lay down our crowns. If you get credit for anything, folks, give it back to God as fast as you can. If you get glory for anything, give it back to God as fast as you can. We are practicing for heaven. The glory question is what keeps us on track. Who gets the glory? From the day you and I determined to follow Jesus Christ, we should make up our mind that everything earned goes to him. I rarely get a paycheck, but what I don't think, I really don't deserve this. This is a gift from the Father. Now, if you make up your mind that God's going to get all the credit for your life, and God's going to get all the glory for your life, it is never difficult to give up that which you've already promised. Let me say that one more time. Make up your mind as you follow Jesus that everything you ever earn and all the glory you ever get is going back to him. It is always easier to give that which you have already committed. You know, I was watching Celebrity Jeopardy the other day. Did you see that? They bring the celebrities on and they, they answer the questions for their favorite charity. They're not earning one thing for themselves. Everything they earn goes to someone else. In a sense, ministry and life is like a huge, giant God jeopardy. Everything we earn and everything we get goes back to the Father. That's a humbling truth. But it's the only way I know for us to maintain an attitude of thanksgiving that is more than a two-day season, but is a lifestyle, a way of saying, thank you. I've already committed every bit of glory that ever comes to me back to the Father. Because in heaven, we all of us lay down the crown at his feet. We lay it down. Paul said it this way, God forbid that I should glory, finish it, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I have found in my life that there's almost nothing God won't do for me 
if I'm willing to give him all of the glory. It is a commitment of my life, and that's why when we dedicated that building two weeks ago, the thing on my heart was not look at what we have done. Not look at what I've done. Look at what Jeff Gibbons has done. Look at what Bobby Patterson has done. Not look at what Ken Sanders has done. Not look at what Carl Salo has done. Not look at what Calvary Baptist Church has done. It's look at what God has done. I'm not too much on all this perfunctory stuff anyway, and I just wanted that day to be a day of praise because I wouldn't want to even for a moment give God the idea that we thought this was of us when it is all from him. So I made a decision in my life that since he's going to get all the credit and all the glory and honor for everything, if I get a, a crown of life, it goes back to him. If I get a pastor's crown, it goes back to God. If I get a martyr's crown, it goes back to God. Nothing I ever have will I keep for myself. It won't matter in glory. In glory, I'll lay it all down at his feet if I can understand that that it informs my heart so that my lifestyle is a lay-down-the-crown lifestyle. <laughs> now, I want to tell you, I have to, to be a little confessional here for a moment. In my young days as a pastor, I'm a very competitive person like a lot of you. How many of you women are married to a competitive man? Come on, raise your hand. You're married to a very competitive... Come on. You're, is Jan Hip's hand up? Where, where is she? Somebody raise her, your hand for Jan Hip. I know. I have to confess to you that in my early days, that was a very difficult lesson for me to learn. Because there were times when I would see other pastors honored and my heart would say, oh, I know more about him. I could really cut the feet out from my name if I wanted to. He's not as hot as he thinks he is. And you know, the Lord really, that was one of the areas that God had to do more work in my inner life than any other in, in my heart. He had to bring my heart to a lay down the crown attitude where I could joyfully, honestly, wonderfully give praise to somebody else and join with them when they were praised. That was a tough thing for me. But that attitude is informed by those four truths. There was an illiterate man who was marvelously saved by, uh, by the uh, grace of God through the ministry of the Salvation Army. And he joined the Salvation Army. And after he joined the army, he, did, he came home one day and said to his wife, who was also illiterate, neither of them could read, he said, you know, everybody at the army has a red sweater. I need a red sweater. And she said, why, dear, that's nothing. I'll knit you a red sweater. And she knitted him a red sweater. Then he came back several weeks later, and he said, everybody in the Salvation Army with a red sweater has some yellow writing on the sweater. Have you ever looked under the vests of the Salvation Army people? When you're at Thruway Shopping Center and they're out there ringing that bell this Christmas, walk up and unbutton their vest and take a look at what's on the red sweater. Now, you, you better give something first before you do that. But on the red sweater, in yellow print, it is written, blood and fire. Blood and fire. But 
he was illiterate and she was illiterate. And he came home and he said, everybody else has yellow print on their, on their sweater and I don't have any. She said, I'll take care of that. And she sat down to embroider some words. And the only thing she could see was a sign in a store window across the street. And she knitted that yellow print onto his sweater. And when he went to the Salvation Army Citadel for worship the next week, he came back and she said, well, how did they like your sweater? Fine. Oh, everybody was, they just got a kick out of that. How did they like the yellow lettering? Oh, fine. They like my sweater better than their sweater. He said, they told me, it says, this business now under new management. And she had embroidered it on his red sweater without a clue. Now, that's an original story. That's where the concept came from. This business now open under new management. If I go to work for a boss, my job is to make him a profit. If I go to work for a company, my task is to make them a profit. If I'm the slave and Jesus is the master, my job is not to collect credits for myself. My job is not to collect glory for myself. My task is not to collect honor for myself. I work for him. Once I decide to follow Jesus Christ, I am open under a new master, under new management. And whatever I get, and whatever I have in heaven, I will lay down my crown at the throne. Now, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to so burn that in your minds and your hearts that Thanksgiving will not end with Friday or yesterday or today. But I will catch... Before the Christmas season comes, I will catch the lay down the crown attitude, which will help me to build a lifestyle, which teaches me to give glory. It's the basis for praise. It's the basis for edifying each other. It's the basis for worship. You can't worship with uh, to the Father when you've got only eyes for yourself. That was the problem of the publican and the Pharisee. The Pharisee came in to worship and had eyes only for himself. The publican came and had eyes only for God. And if you would have eyes only for God in worship on earth, you must come and lay down your crown first. And it's that attitude that builds each other up. It's that attitude which allows us to praise. It's that attitude which allows us to compliment each other and to do so with grace and joy and in honor prefer one another. And I want to emblazon across my mind and heart and soul. This life is opened under new management and everything I earn is not a dividend for me, but it's a dividend for the Father. And it's a crown and it's a credit and it's a glory and it's a praise that I joyfully, gladly, exhilaratingly lay down at his feet. And I invite you to lay down the crown now.
and every day in the ensuing year. Let's stand in prayer. Father in heaven, I praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot be saved with anything in our hands, so why grasp it or cling to it? We cannot be filled with the Spirit until we have been emptied, so why do we grasp or cling to anything? We cannot be touched and anointed for ministry as long as there's anyone else or anything else that gets the credit. I pray today that you will speak to every one of us and create in us not just a truce with you when it seems like we've been in a battle for the credit and the glory and the honor, but build within us not just a season, but a lifestyle of thanksgiving which comes out of a lay-down-the-crown mentality and heart. Teach us to love each other and to praise each other and to build each other up and to edify each other, to give away any glory we get for our class, any glory for prison ministry, any glory for anything we do. Just teach us, God, to lay it all down at your feet now. And if there's anyone in this building who's never been saved, help them to empty their hands of, their, of themselves, come confessing their sin and find that you're open to them and you will receive them and save them and make them to also be under new management and change the direction of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.